As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you're ready to take your game to the next level, who better to lead the way than our own Luke Bogacki? Check out This Is Bracket Racing Elite today. Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your hosts, the multi-time world champion, cool hand Luke Bogacki. And the golden voice of drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. You want to make it in a song to do the Justin Lamb. Win a bunch of races and you do it with the fam. You do the Kevin Brandon, light a smack across the land. Then you do the L-Ride and you come out like the world champ. Hello everyone and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. Thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day. The Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be a weekly review of what's happening or what has happened in sportsman racing. Luke and I will be talking about all of the hottest topics, drivers, and we've got a pretty hot driver with us today, and events in racing today. Speaking of hot drivers, Luke, how you doing, bud? I'm doing wonderful, Jed. I'm a little bit, uh, a little bit road weary, if our longtime listeners, and I know you know, I left home on March 22nd, and uh, as we're recording this, it's, uh, what is today, Tuesday evening, April 18th, yes. and I literally pulled in the driveway about an hour ago, so uh, typically yeah. a little, little bit behind baseball or inside baseball here, like for our listeners, um, typically like I'm, I'm super like Mr. Preparation. So we usually, like, we've got a Google Docs deal that you and I, we go back and forth and kind of yep. with our bullet points and notes for the show. I just scribbled this out like 10 minutes ago, and we have like 10 bullet points ahead of us. So this might work out really well, because typically <laughs> I feel like I kind of uh, stifle some of your creativity. You know what I mean? Like, Jed, off the cuff is pretty good. 
So <laughs> there's a possibility that this goes really well. And there's a possibility that this is a dumpster fire. So just as a warning right now, I'm not real sure what we're getting into. Preparation's not what we're quite used to, but it's going to be fun. Well, this show's not going to require a lot of notes, Luke. <laughs> You've got a lot of mental notes about the, our main topic of the day, and that is the Spring Fling Million. Obviously, you just got home, and I know that uh, you've had a lot of time on the road to reflect, and we'll talk about that here in just a little while, because although uh, it's a little bit weird interviewing a guy that's part of the show, we still... As a listener myself, I still want to know, and I know everyone else does, still want to know the same things that we would ask anyone. So we're going to ask you that in just a little while, but uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. We want to talk now about some other results that happened at Spring Playing Million. Yeah, that sounds good. I'll play host for a little while. We'll talk about everything minus Friday, and then uh, and then you can kind of take the reins as, as host of the show and interview the guy that won the race, which... Is typically the host of the show. Like it's a little complicated, but we're going to pull it off. <laughs> so there were other results outside of the main event on Friday, Luke, and uh, it started out, I guess, um, Tuesday. Man, that feels uh, like it was a week ago. Wow. <laughs> it feels almost like a week ago. I wasn't there, but uh, you was. You've been there for three weeks. They had the uh, trailer shootout. Paulson Trailers gave away a Cargo Mate, I think a 28-footer if I remember right, but nice little trailer. Had, uh, I think, 32 cars entered that, and Danny Northrup got his uh, weekend or week started out really well with a victory over Paul Nero. Yeah, super hot, Danny Northrup. He was hot on the heels, what, two weeks prior, won one of the 25-granders at Memphis, was in the semis another day, and just put on a show at well i was told he put on a show at memphis he definitely put on a show at vegas uh, much to the chagrin of your uh, namesake the, the pennington family i want to say i didn't see every round i'm not sure danny rolled through the whole family but i think he beat three of them in that five round race really yeah i know he beat cassie wow. in the semis and i believe he beat michael and philip back to back like first and second round i may have it wrong i, I was this was from the trailer i, I was trying to get everything ready to go wasn't really racing myself but i know he ran three of the pennington's so you can't get much tougher competition than that and uh no that's tough i think it was philip pennington round two was like eight take one or something silly like that beside northrop and his one that didn't come on and that's the kind of mm. Danny was making on tuesday yeah those are tough so danny started it out well with the with a big win then we moved into wednesday which i arrived i finally got to the track i think about 7:45 or so vegas time on wednesday and that got the opportunity did not get to see me race on wednesday <laughs> that was pm too by the way so. <laughs> no i missed you i think uh it was somewhere around 400 entries strong pretty much all weekend aside from friday or all week aside from friday so Big day on Wednesday, lots of great racing. I got to see the last few rounds and saw a guy that makes my top 10 name list every time he's at an event I'm at, and it's Blue Hayball, Blue out of Idaho. Blue Hayball got a victory over uh, Justin Lamb, which put on one of the most impressive bottom bulb displays I've witnessed in my life, and I've seen great bottom bulb racing. Justin, I think, averaged... Uh, a high double O, maybe double O eight, double O nine, something like that for the entire day. And had a double O start in the final. Blue was a little bit late, but Justin 
his car picked up about a hundredth on him, I think, and he went a few thou under uh, putting a wind light in Blue's lane. But that was a big day, and Blue got him a $20,000 check and started a, a week off for the Idahoans that was pretty darn impressive. Yeah, we talked a little bit last week about the, the left coast holding their own out there. They did more than that. And specifically the state of Idaho, you're right. Just on, on Wednesday night, like so Blue got the win over Justin, and the semifinalist was the 440 door car, Lafferty, Dan Lafferty. Yes, uh, Dan another Lafferty. Another Idaho racer, and just uh, West Coasters in deep throughout. But to back to your point on, on Justin Lamb, like if you said he averaged a 008, I missed the couple of rounds he wasn't 00. And granted, we went to dinner at one point, but when we just, myself, Jess, and Gary left for dinner, it was probably fourth round that tells you i was done pretty early but as we were pulling out kb stopped me and said man justin's putting on a show he was just 008 and that's the worst he's been i think that was after the fourth round we went in eight come back and i probably watched from nine cars on and never saw him not be double o on the bottom like it like you said it but i've seen a handful of really really impressive bottom ball performances in my life probably you more so than me i know like scotty winning your race back to back the 50 granders was unbelievable and i went yeah. to a race in ohio years ago where randy biddle just put on a show was like double o for four days in a row you know i mean just never stopped yeah it. and we'll talk about randy a little bit later but what justin did there on wednesday night ranks right up there that was unbelievable yes it was very impressive and then we rolled in thursday which we anticipated a little bit of windy conditions nothing like you saw there the week prior but it was uh, it was still blowing pretty hard for an alabama boy i think we were getting wind up 30 mile per hour plus which pretty weird it, it it stayed in the same direction so it was not a hindrance to the race until later which we'll talk about but we got to five cars on thursday's program and the wind shifted directions probably picked up just a little and started to swirl a little so jeff foster peter kyle uh, those guys walked out on the racetrack assessed the situation decided you know no point in changing the outcome of this race or getting someone in a bad position on the racetrack by continuing we had a beautiful finish on friday which turned out to be a great decision we ended up with uh, race kid which is another top 10 name by the way cool young man out of idaho of course getting by gordon bovin in his mopar out of idaho yeah, and the lone semifinalist was Sean Schaefer, also out of Idaho. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Schaefer was one he put on a show all weekend. Uh, he was down late, or all week, I should say. He was down late in Wednesday's race. In the Thursday race, he was double-entered at 10. Uh, I think he dropped one there. He actually beat my wife, Jessica, at 10. Shout out, yep. Jess. Good job. But, yeah, no, he put on a show for not, not making a final. Like, I think he went more rounds than anybody all weekend. So Yeah, the- that Idaho crew definitely uh, showed out. And those guys wrapped that up during the Brodick's run for the 100K on Friday. We wrapped up uh, Thursday's race, uh, got those few rounds in, and crowned uh, Race Kid as a champion. But when the Brodick's run for the 100K, now I understand you know what this is, Luke, but to the listeners that might not know, these guys start out Friday morning at the Spring Fling Million with an opportunity to win $100,000 for anyone that pays $100 to enter the run for the money, so to speak. And a perfect run will get you hundred k real money, uh, no vouchers from Peter and Kyle. And 
And Matt Diamond. Deal, like last year when they announced that for the first time, I just assumed that Peter and Kyle got some type of insurance company to back that, you know. And yeah. uh, I was talking to Kyle in the staging lanes last year, and my understanding is that's not the case. Like they just kind of ponied up and said, if it happens, it happens. It'll be good promotion. So they're just stuck their neck out for $100,000. And for the second straight year, nobody hit it. Somebody's going to hit it. Somebody is, and uh, the package got one thou tighter this year than what won it last year. Matt Diamond uh, had a 002 package, uh, one dead and one to collect those Brodix SR20s, which was the first prize. If you made a perfect run, you got 100000 and those SR20s. But the SR20s, the $5,300 prize in itself was a, a really wonderful gift, and uh, Matt collected that. He got uh, what turned out to be an awesome, awesome Friday started out really well again we'll talk about friday some more a little bit later but the wrap-up show the wrap-up 20 grander was saturday and again another big crowd another beautiful day and a fine fine young man out of northern california got the win marco Pervolaris, which uh, anybody that knows marco knows that this kid is uh, genuinely just a, uh, an awesome guy and very happy to be at the racetrack, very respectful young man, races extremely well, and he collected uh, the $20,000 payday by getting by Brian Cerruti, which was the Jake's Pro 32 representative, made it all the way to the final. We'll, we'll talk about Cerruti a little bit more here shortly, very unfortunate incident, but proud to see Marco get that. I had already departed up. I left about 8 o'clock, headed to the airport as I had a red-eye flight, so I didn't get to see Marco and, and Brian run off the final. I actually missed the last two or three rounds, but really proud to see Marco get that done. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm with you. Marco's one of my favorite people at the racetrack, a really good kid's not the right word, but young man, and mm -hmm. uh, and I'm with you too. I missed it. Uh, we had taken off that evening too. I didn't see the last several rounds, but real happy for Marco and, and happy to see Cerruti putting on a, a show off the bottom, although that's definitely been overshadowed by what's happened since in his world. Yeah, and, and real quickly, I want to you know give a shout out to Justin Lamb, Brian Cerruti, and uh, Randy Biddle Jr. Uh, that made it to the semis uh, of the million, of Friday's million. Uh, just a extremely impressive performances by those bottom bulbers. And they outlasted their field and then got by a handful of uh, super pro cars to make their way into the late rounds. But yeah, I obviously, didn't, uh, I didn't realize it last year. Obviously, I was there. Chris Lamb, Justin's father, was telling me at one point very early in the weekend that he just hoped whoever got out of the Pro 32 did some good because, at least according to him, last year the winners from the Pro 32 never advanced around outside of the Pro 32. This year was a different story. Like you said, every day we had Justin in the final. We had uh, Randy down to three in the, in the million. And then obviously uh, uh, Saruti in the final as well on Saturday. So heck of a job by the bottom bulb crowd, top to bottom. Like That's really impressive. Yeah, they did really, really good things out there. Can't, you know, hope to see that continue to grow and, and bottom bulbers keep supporting that thing. So that's a really neat opportunity for them. But unfortunately, now, Luke, it's, uh, you know, talked about Brian Cerruti. Um, won't spend a lot of time on it, but unfortunately for him, he stopped late Saturday night uh, as he started his journey home and parked his truck, his 28 foot enclosed, and his Camaro in a hotel parking lot and 
after 1 a.m., he went to bed, and when he got up, it wasn't there anymore. Very unfortunate thing. Hate to hear, see any of that happen when it's somebody you know pretty well. It's It just kind of hits home with you even more. But the search is on. Anybody listening that's out on the West Coast or anywhere, who knows which direction it's headed in. But keep your eye out for that. Look up Brian Cerruti's page on Facebook. Get a description. There's lots and lots of sharing going on, making sure that everybody has the opportunity to see what uh, his operation looks like. So keep your eyes out and notify the authorities and and or Brian Cerruti if you see anything that looks like his rig. Yeah, for sure. That's got to be I can only imagine how sick a feeling that is. Yeah, I can too. And uh, Angela Macy, Scott Macy's wife, uh, good friends, bottom bobbers, she sent me a text today and said, you know, it would be a good idea for the podcast to talk about what do you do if, when your racing operation or part of it is stolen? And how can we help as racers? How can we help, you know, uh, find these people, eliminate these types of things? So that might be something for a, a future show coming up that we can get some insight on. Maybe products that are out there that are able to help keep these things from happening and some of the actions that we'd take if and when it does. Definitely thoughts go out to, to Brian Cerruti and Bud. We hope you get your stuff back soon. For sure. All right. So, Luke, uh, that's the, the sad part of the event and the aftermath of it. But let's talk about some real happy stuff. Joining us now. He's a uh, <laughs> guy that has accomplished a lot in our sport. And he's a guy that we all respect and admire and somebody that has just shown the ability to continue his winning efforts coming off of a huge win this weekend at the K&N Spring Fling Million presented by Optima Batteries. Luke Bogacki, your Friday Million Dollar Champion. Luke, thanks for joining us today. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on, Jed. That's an honor to be here. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, all kidding aside, bud, we, we talked about the fact that it didn't matter who wins or who won the, the million. We wanted to interview them. Even though it's you and you're part of the show, we still want to know how it happened. We, we still want to know what the day was like. So I'm going to ask you some questions, and you just uh, be as open and honest as you can, just like you would if you was inter- being interviewed by somebody you didn't know. Okay, okay. Think you can do that? I think I can handle that. <laughs> All right. So, Luke, we've talked a lot, so I've got a lot of insight about the day, but... Mm-hmm. You mentioned to me after the fact and when the dust had settled a little bit that you just kind of felt something special when the day started. Uh, Tell me a little bit about that and and why you felt that way. I did, and I don't have a great explanation for it. Honestly, I wish I could harness it and force myself to feel that way more often. (laughs) But I I actually kind of I misspoke a little bit in our in our post-trace interview when I woke up, I, I told my wife two things. Number one, I feel like I'm going to be happy with my performance at the end of the day. And we all know that that doesn't necessarily correlate with results or success. I just felt yep. like I was going to go to bed feeling like I, I drove well. You know what I mean? Win, lose, or draw. And yep. she said, well, that's good. And uh, and I said, and the crazy thing is I just... I have this feeling like it's all going to work out, like it's all going to fall together. I don't know why. I don't know how. I just have a good feeling about it. It's kind of crazy looking back. You know, in our post-race 
interview, I, I actually misspoke a little bit because I didn't really know how to say what I wanted to say or what actually happened. But when I woke up on Friday morning, I did. I, I told my wife two things. Uh, number one, I said, I feel like I'm going to go to bed tonight like happy with my performance. Like I feel like I'm going to drive well. And we all know that that doesn't necessarily translate into success or accomplishment you know what i mean but you can live with it if you do everything that you set out to do and whether the win win lose or draw but then i followed that up by telling her and i did i i I don't have any any good explanation for it and i wish that it's a feeling i wish i could harness to be honest uh to to try to have again on purpose but i i did I, i told her i said i just feel like today's the day that it's all going to fall into place i don't know why i don't know how i just have a really good feeling about it and um, obviously that came to fruition and just uh, unbelievable pretty strong intuition there (laughs) i think um i think it's um something that a a lot of racers need to to improve on and and myself included um so uh, it's really neat to hear that you you have that feeling and you're able to to harness it and move forward. So, Jeff tell us talked about that when we interviewed him, you know, earlier in the year, talking about last year's million, how it wasn't even like a necessarily a confidence thing. Like he just had this feeling like it was all going to happen. And I, I only remember having a, something like that once in my life prior to to Friday, and that was actually at one of the original million dollar races in Atlanta. The day before the million, and I kind of ran the table. Like, I won a 20 grander and won a dragster race. I won everything they had to win. And I've asked myself for 15 years since, like, how'd you do that? Like, how did you know? <laughs> and this is really the only, the next time that I remember having a similar feeling, like it's just going to fall into place. It's crazy. Yep. Well, it's, it's uh, obviously it worked out really well, so you need to get that feeling more often. I'm going to be working on that. I thought about that you, all the way home. <laughs> you seem to do it when you don't have that feeling, I guess. So it really doesn't matter. So, Luke, uh, I'll ask you a simple question, but but one I'm sure you've got an articulate answer for, and it's how'd it happen? The simple answer, and I know nobody wants to hear this, I think I had the best car on the property. And and I don't want to stand here and just rattle off the manufacturers that I depend on, but I'm just telling you, I built that car to win a race like that. You know what I mean? Like if, if you're starting from scratch and say, I want to build a car with the best of everything, go look at that car. Like that's what it's got. And it's, it paid off, man. It, I made nine runs in competition and you know how the day went. We made first round at 11 a.m. Yeah. The final round was about 8 p.m. I saved all the time slips just so that I would have them, you know, for the rest of my life, hopefully. And I was thumbing through them this morning, actually. And to 3.30 over the, that nine hours and that nine rounds to 3.30, that car moved six thousandths of a second. Wow. And you, <laughs> Yeah, I mean... It, everybody can say what they want about my driving and it did so happen like the finish line looks like I did a really good job but nine times out of ten I was killing a little bit to make it go low dead on or make it go mid dead on you know what I mean like it it ended up yes I do know what you mean Yeah, we'll get to that too (laughs) but uh, I mean it ended up me getting there first by less than a hundredth a lot but I'm just telling you especially my eighth mile game plan is way more about going dead on than getting there first it just worked out the math wise so I I would I'd give credit to McCann and Filters Dragster and American Race Cars and Huntsville Engine and APD and all of the manufacturers that, that make that thing what it is. It was incredible and it 
typically always incredible. It's got me very spoiled, but yeah. Friday was definitely one of its good days. Well, your your Mickey Thompson tires and your BT drivetrain obviously performed extremely well for you, and you talked a lot about wasn't making a lot of decisions, but I think that I still think that you were making great decisions. As I said in the Winter Circle interview, those decisions might have been made when you staged on how you were going to do your strategy, but whatever you was doing was extremely impressive because it was like watching a, a you know a clock tick. Uh, it was it was really really strong performance, as you know. But looking back, thinking about all of that, what the day had, what it presented you, what stands out the most to you, Luke? Man, it's uh, even after three days to process it, I don't know that I can pick out one particular thing from the day. It's such a special deal. Like, I know what there's, if you combine the, the, the Springfling Million and the, the original Million, and back in the day we ran that Millennium Million at Rockingham, there's only 20-some-odd people that have ever done it. I wish everybody could experience that high. And and, and at the same time, no one, that, that, wouldn't, that would mean it's not as special because it's not as rare, but... There's so much that goes into it. Like the, I think what stands out the most is just the, the level of competition, knowing that you're up against the best of the best. And there was 230 people that entered on Friday. There wasn't anybody that just walked up to the tower thinking that they were going to donate $2,000 to the winner. You know, yeah. I mean? like if you're going to get that kind of money, you legitimately feel like you can win the event. And there was sure. three people there that could win the event. And like I said on the on the PA on Saturday. If we run that race 20 times, I'm confident you would have 20 different winners. So the to be able to go through that field is a huge sense of accomplishment. Obviously, I'm sitting at my desk here at home. I'm staring at a check that's bigger than any check I've ever seen in my life. Um, so you, you'd be remiss not to say that the money makes it special. The money makes it special, no doubt. And then beyond that, like just the the eyeballs and the attention and the exposure, like... I've been fortunate and won a lot of races and accomplished a lot of things in a race car. Like I've never been that overwhelmed with Facebook, text, Twitter, like just going nuts. Like my wife was, was cussing me as I was coming up the return road because she was trying to video it on my phone. And there were so <laughs> yeah, many Facebook notifications going, it wouldn't let her hit record. You know what I mean? Like yeah, she told me about it. <laughs> um, but no, like I, I literally got caught up. I wanted to respond to everybody individually. I hope I did, at least that messaged me or, or on Facebook or text messaged. And it was literally this afternoon sitting in traffic that I got caught up. It's Tuesday. The race was Friday. And for the longest time, I kept responding to texts, you know, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. Things like that. And I kept looking at the little bubble on your inbox and it was over 150. Like I couldn't get it under 150. <laughs> and I've never seen that. You know what I mean? It was, uh, yeah. and, the, and the Facebook stuff was going out. I probably missed half of the stuff I got tagged in on Facebook. And I, I, I appreciate all of it. That's, there's so much that makes that event special, but that's a big, big part of it. You know, just that attention and you just realize how many people are are truly, you know, happy for you and proud of you and things like that. It's really a cool feeling. Yeah, and uh, the the Winner's Circle interview and the, the surroundings was really cool. Those people were happy for you, proud of you, they admire you. And I thought that was a, a neat part of the day as well. We'll talk about that a little bit yeah, too. No, but. The, 
I that was just so riveting. And the the one thing that really stands out to me was I I don't know if he was the first person to me, but one of the first people to me when I got out of the car was Jeff Verdi. And I mean, I went and I shook his hand both the times that he won the million. But I'm the way that I don't think that I could have possibly had the generosity that that he had like just we're all competitors like we all went there to win so there's a part of you when it's over that you know i mean you go congratulate the winner but there's a part of you thinking man that it could have been me or it should have been me like i don't think there's a part of jeff that thinks that way like that dude was as happy for me as i was you know what i mean and it just shows through and everything you do he's such a genuine man I, i just he impressed me so much in that moment and all weekend, but it's nothing that we don't know because we know Jeff, but that really stands out to me. He was one of the first people to me and just the his character and his persona, like uh, he's just awesome. So thanks, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with that 100%. And I thought it was cool that you guys got your pictures made together. And I hope that each of you can keep making it out there every year and every time someone else wins that that tradition continues you know the first two have their picture together i'd like to see when it's 20 i'd like to see those 20 people get their picture good i thought that was really neat so luke obviously you have driven a couple thousand miles and had a lot of time reflect back on the day what did you feel like the key round was in the race well it had to be round five right (laughs) <laughs> well, that was that was the key round for me because that was the one to give me the key to the door where I could exit. <laughs> the uh, no, I mean it, it's um, it's impossible to single one out. Like everybody that I ran, I had the buy run at three. It was a nine round race, so I ran eight competitors. Nobody was red, and all eight of them are people that I know that I have a ton of respect for. They're awesome racers. Like yeah, I, I really can't single one out. But the best race, certainly on paper was when you and I ran at fifth round. I completely, uh, I guess, lost track of where I was. I did a very poor job of pulling into the staging lanes. You were the last door car. I was the first dragster. And uh, it never dawned on me that they might fall out and we would run each other. But that's exactly what uh, what transpired. Yeah, it did. And, um, you know, I, I thought there were six door cars and I did not uh, be fully transparent here. Didn't want to be behind Michael Pennington. I was pitted with him. Obviously, good friend. So a car was there. I just going to get last in line when I pulled up. They said, there's five door cars. You're going to get the first dragster. I said, well, that's OK. You know, I like dragster. I like running them. They taste like chicken, all that stuff. And But then you come around the corner and, uh, and my chicken got real sour. It, it, it wasn't tasting very good anymore. Before, before we even go into it, like, kudos to you, man. You, It's my understanding that you hopped in a car that you had never really laid eyes on prior to the weekend and had never set in prior to Friday morning. And you did get to, what was it, 24 cars left in the million in it? Yeah, I think it was 22, 24, whatever it was. Um, but, you know, the car was really good. So I, I wasn't doing a whole lot of driving, just like you said you weren't doing a little bit ago. I was doing very little of that. But I was very happy with my performance and I uh, had a great time. I appreciate uh, Jose Diaz and uh, Calvi Peru and Nick Hastings, all of them let me drive. But this ain't about me. This is about you. So quit talking about that. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But as far as key round, man, you had you had a few rounds. You said less than a hundred. You had a few rounds that were low double O finish line. I, I think more than two, maybe three of those. Yeah, I like I said in in round one, I had uh, 
Frank the Tank, Angers, uh, Canadian. We were both double O on the tree, and he was going a good bit under, and I dropped to uh, one or two above and got away with it. But I ran Jordan Pratt. I don't, second round, I don't know. Uh, I would assume most people are familiar with Jordan. He was Division 5 Super Comp Champion last year, I think. He's also a member of my elite community, so I hated to run him. We had a good race second round. Third round, I ran Chris Whitfield, who's won at the Spring Fling before. Awesome race out of Colorado. Was actually one of your picks to win the million. And then right before you and I ran, I squared off with uh, Johnny Ezell, Johnny Brackett racing. And uh, that's never somebody that you want to pull up beside. And I maybe made my best run of the day, but at the same time, maybe my most vulnerable. I was one uh, and one thou under. And it another one that looks good on paper. I got there first eight thou, but he was in yeah. front of me when all that mess started and got back behind me. And I killed a little bit, like, whatever. If he was 13 on the tree, I, I looked good. I'm one take eight, but it was a double breakout that went fourth out of my way that easily could have ended my day there. And then when you and I ran fifth round, I, I think that's the best actual package that I put together. Um, I was, what was I, four dead on eight? You were four dead eight. Uh, that got, only put me two thou in front. So you were four dead by my, Yeah, I got by my 13 dead and one. Uh, which was, you know, that was a that was a real good race. And you talked a little bit about it earlier, but that was one of those I was just at peace with. When your wind light come on, I, I was dead on one. I looked up, you were dead on eight. I thought Luke just did something special right there because I I wasn't late. I knew I wasn't late, and I went dead on one. I was like, he did something really special and got my ticket. And all I could do was smile about it. Uh, you know, obviously when you lose to a great friend at that and my expectations of the day were low so obviously that propelled you on and and i was happy to see the end result too because okay you know, time I'm, out now <laughs> i'm with you to a point right like i mean your generosity and 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 character here is is admirable <laughs> but and i appreciate that but let's be i'll be completely honest and transparent here i would feel the same way and i would hope that you would have gone on and won the race, particularly since we made a 10% deal. That would have made things a little bit easier on me. You weren't supposed to tell that. But if you and I run and you're in a car that you've never sat in before, and I'm down close in the million, like the race that I can't seem to get done, and I lay down 12 total and my wind light doesn't come on, <laughs> this podcast wouldn't be pleasant today, so I, 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 I do. I, I, I appreciate that, Jed, and I, you know deep down I feel the same way, but uh, but no, that I, I hate that we had to run that early in the proceedings. It would have been fun to do it a couple rounds later, for sure. Yeah, so, you know, in, in all honesty, I was at peace with it. I, you know, I, I guess because I had some emotion leading up to that, I, I had a moral dilemma. I had a stripe taker on the car, and it was already on the car when I got in it. They said you had to have it because it was reading different lane to lane, so they had to put that on there. So, you know, I'm like, crap, I got Luke. I've got a strap taker. Do you go say, Luke, I got a strap taker and start getting his wheels turning, or do you just let him let Luke be Luke and he sees everything and he's already got it and knows? I, man, I was I was tore up. So <laughs> when the race was over, it was almost like a relief that, oh, my God, you know, he – he won, so it didn't affect anything. I don't know. I, I was a mess leading up to the staging process. <laughs> well, you did, you did a pretty good job being such a mess. <laughs> no, and after after we ran, I faced off with another buddy uh, the next round, uh, J.R. Loebner. And then um, that was obviously every round. You're in the million. It's huge. But 
at least now looking back in retrospect, at six cars I ran Valtorius Jr. And I had no idea that I would end up getting the buy. But just financially, like that swing from losing at six cars to guaranteeing a spot in the final, like I'm glad that that didn't cross my mind beforehand. Like that was massive. Like financially, that is by far the biggest round that I've ever staged for. Yeah. So to get the win like there. And it's funny because like I'll tell you and I'll tell the audience we can laugh about it. Like my window on the tree looks pretty good for the day. Like I, I think I was O half the time and teen half the time. Yep. And maybe 17 worst or something like that, which I'll take that. But sure. the problem was, like, when I let go 14, 15, 17, I thought it was fine. And when we ran, I let go four, and whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I didn't, I never knew the difference. <laughs> and um, that's kind of scary. So when I let go against Val at six, I said, oh, we'll be green. And it hit the tires. And I'm, oh, I, I'm winning. And I caught him early and rolled him through. And when light came on. And my first thought was, that's the bite of the final. Yes. You know, that's a big deal. And I <laughs> coast around the turn and down there to the ET shack. And they hand me the time slip. And I look down and I'm 15. And I went, no, it's not. I'm going to have to beat somebody at three. And I <laughs> kind of laughed about it and took off and as it worked out it, because randy had had a buy that did get me the buy at three against all odds but uh, no it's funny how that works but financially that round was huge and then obviously the the final with michael i mean most most of you listening were watching or keeping up with it you know that that could have gone either way i'm uh what i'm 19 total he's 20 total i get there at thou and kind of the same deal i actually dialed up a hundredth for the final just because the night prior which was a different animal but when that wind had really kicked up i feel like they got some dust on the track and i had a hard time getting down i was slow so for as good as my car had been all day i thought well there's no wind today but nothing's gone down the track for the last 15 minutes i'm going to go ahead and give myself an extra hundredth here so it's a little bit out of my not out of my element but a different strategy than i'd really employed all day because my car had been so good i was really honest and when we leave against Michael, same deal. When I let go, I went, oh, you just went red in the final of a million. And it hit the tires and green. And I thought, oh, I, I can't lose. And, uh, of course, I'm 14. Uh, he's 12. And we coming down there. And, and now my car rattled just a touch. So I had been, I was dialed 467. The rounds prior, I was going like real high 65, real low 66. So when it rattled just a touch, I thought that's some of it, but I think I can still go under, you know, like I I need to kill at least five thou or so. And as we're riding down there, like if I'm going to get by him, it's by nothing. Like it's going to be super close. And I thought, man, you got, it's been so good. You've got to trust it. And obviously you're not thinking all of this going down the track. It's kind of instinctual, but I'm thinking I can't hold it on the floor. And uh, so I give it one good pump. It's obviously going to put me behind, and right about the time that I do, it looked, at least from my vantage point, like Michael just deadlifted, and then it's one of those, <laughs> I don't know, I don't really know what the heck I did, to be honest. Like, I think my, <laughs> my head was saying, you hadn't killed enough, and my foot was saying, get there, and I don't really know if I mashed, I don't know what I did, but we, I know we went across the finish line, and I went, oh, that was close, and I look up, my wind light's on, and uh, I got there 5,000, and at that point, I just went ballistic, went nuts, but... Uh, yeah, that had to be an amazing feeling. But back to your to your original question, like the key round, I, I still feel like it was our round at five. And I, I got to come clean with you, Jed. <laughs> What's that? Well, on my way home, I did an interview on the on the WFO podcast with uh, with Joe Costello about winning a million things like that, and, and just talking about the day. And what he asked me was, now Michael Pennington that that you ran in the final, is that any relation to Jared? And to that point, there had been no mention of you in the interview. 
Now, I thought that we were going to transition into <laughs> some type of discussion about our round or, you know, the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast or something like that. And so in my mind, mentally, to make that transition, I said, no, what Jared said after the event was that that was the skinny Pennington's in the final. <laughs> the fat Pennington's didn't make it that far, which is something that you did say. Like, it was funny. I did say that. But as soon as it came out of my mouth, I thought, that's something that Jared can say. That's not something I can say. And as I was trying to get to the point where we actually ran fifth round, Joe asked me another question. And the conversation never let me get back to that. So, like, the WFO listeners, which is mostly the pro professional ranks crowd i don't know that they realize you were there so I, i'm sorry man i just uh, that's been eating at me since that interview i wanted to complain uh, about no, it i love so yeah that's where we're at I just, I, hopefully i got to you before you heard that and you can say that my partner gets to say that as i as i made reference to you at the at the race now you are my partner i didn't catch on to that until you spelled it out like i saw it in a facebook Facebook post, and I went, Podna, I see what he did there. That's pretty good. <laughs> like P-O-D, Podna. <laughs> so we've gotten through how the day started, how it went, key rounds and all that. As you reflect back, Luke, on everything that happened, and it's okay to just tell us exactly how you feel here. What are you, the one thing that you feel like you're the most proudest of or that you're the proudest of? This is probably going to sound funny or, or, or not be what you might expect. But for me, it was putting together like the, the composure and the, and the confidence to get through the weekend. And I know like you may say, well, Luke, you've won this and that and the other. Like, why would you not have confidence? I'm just telling you, we all fight that. I don't care who you are. You, like we all have self Sure. And early in the weekend for a number of reasons like I just put way too much pressure on myself for, for stupid reasons and, and really when you get down to it like all pressure is self-induced and I, I drove I performed horribly like I was joking earlier you know you didn't get to see me race on Wednesday because I was done early second round I, I went some rounds on Thursday but I didn't drive particularly well and there were plenty of opportunities throughout the weekend for me to say either I stink or this isn't meant to be like things are not going my way. Yep. Like the, when Jess and I both lost on, on Thursday night, like we just, we couldn't go down the track and it's not the track's fault. Like if they had asked me, you know, there's a dust storm, like, do you want to race now or race in the morning? I would have said, I want to race now. My stuff will go down it. And it wouldn't, you know what I mean? So it would be easy to say, okay, yes, you know, I got close and that's the day I was supposed to do good and it didn't happen. And just to be able mentally to, to recover. And that's by design. Like, that's something that I work on. It's something that we work on, and this is Bracket Racing Elite. And I'm not going to sit here and say that, like, a positive mental outlook or that self-confidence necessarily translates to winning. But I can tell you the opposite is absolutely true. Like, a negative yeah. outlook definitely translates into losing. Um, sure. So that's, I think, what I'm most proud of is being able to, to take the lemon, so to speak, and turn them into lemonade, you know, and, and be able to find that, that focus and confidence and optimism going forward. And obviously once it's easier, and it's, it's never easy, but it's one thing when you're going rounds and turning on wind lights, like you get in a little bit of a rhythm, um, sure. but getting that started at the beginning of the day when it's been a tough weekend or a tough, you know, really couple of weeks can be tough. I, I think that's what I'm proudest of. Cool. We'll talk a little bit more about the winter circle celebration. You were pulled away from the winter circle 
celebration and a been before and might never again. By the way, Gary was awesome on the mic. Uh, <laughs> he just totally stole your thunder right there and took it over. He was he was cool getting the mic. Yeah, that whole scene is just so. I'm sure it looked surreal. People watching online, like it was. It, it, it what Pete and Kyle and the entire staff do there to to make the winner feel like a rock star is absolutely. It hits home like it's unbelievable, and uh, so they. You know, shuttle us into the limo there, and my my car is still sitting in the winter circle. You know what I mean? There's people ever all around everywhere, and I'm like, well, yes, we, we can't leave. You know what I mean? No, no. And Pete actually leaned down in, and he's like, no, no, they're just doing the video here. They're going to drive off and just kind of circle around the staging lanes, and then you guys take all the time you want, get loaded up, pack your bag, and you can go to the suite because they had us a a suite reserved at the Cosmopolitan for the winter, which again most people know. So anyway, we we hop into the limo, and the first thing that Gary says is. Can we ride this down the racetrack? And I thought that would be awesome. We should we should ride this down the racetrack. So I actually got clearance from Jeff Foster. He said go for it, and uh, and the limo driver was real cool. And we just rolled out on the racetrack. Gary loved it. He's laughing the whole time, and uh, the, the limo driver floored it and everything. So we're racing down the track. Gary's laughing, and funny we get to the shutdown area and we're we're coasting up the up the hill there past the quarter mile finish line. And my little man looks at me and goes, Daddy, we forgot something. I go, what did we forget? We didn't do a burnout. <laughs> just good stuff. And some of his one-liners, like we got in the elevator at the motel, and he just looks up. It's just me, him, and Jess. And he says, Daddy, this is exciting. <laughs> you know, just, as only a three-year-old can. But funny yeah. story, like we, we get to the room, and I mean, it's way, way above my pay grade. Like I ain't never been in nothing like that. <laughs> Kyle showed my wife some pictures before we left the track. And she saw a staircase, and she's like, oh, well, the lobby looks nice. That wasn't the lobby. The staircase was in the room. I mean, like, it, it's unbelievable. So, but anyway, we're in there, and uh, and we, we get there. It's about 1130 at night, and uh, and we hadn't had dinner or nothing, and we're, you know, we just come from the racetrack, obviously. So we're looking yeah. fairly rough, and uh, we get up to the room. I asked the bellhop, I said, is there any place to uh, to eat? Is there a restaurant in the casino? He's like, yeah, there's 15. Oh, okay. Um, you know, is there anything that yeah, are they still open? Yeah, they're they're open twenty four hours. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Uh, is there anything you'd recommend? So we end up going to this steakhouse that is just like super high class and so Vegas, right? Like it's uh, the the neon lights and the music's blaring. You know, it's like the hip scene. And we walk in there like parents of the damn year with our three year old at midnight. <laughs> We're all we just come from a racetrack. My kids' knees are black. And we just and and we couldn't care less. I mean, just loving life. So it was. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was cool. It was a special night. Awesome. <laughs> that's, that's real. Lifetime, Luke. We we talked to Cameron Manuel after he won the Powerball uh, last weekend, and we talked to him about the money. You know, as you're going rounds, and the money starting to grow to a level that you've never staged for before. Did it ever enter your mind? Did, you know, did you think about that much? Any? It's funny because the way that it shook down in this race in particular, and I know you know this, but you probably don't want to hear it. The round after we ran was the round that we kind of redistributed the purse at, at 12 cars and set it the rest of the way. And I'm not going to get into numbers because it's nobody's business and more so for the privacy of everybody else than me. But, you sure. know, the, the losers at 12 get this amount and the losers at six get this amount and the one semifinalist gets this and then the winner and runner up get this. 
and everybody agreed to that with the agreement that obviously we can cut it up more as we go if we want to. But my thought was like, that purse looks good. You know what I mean? Yep. From that point on, at least with me, it was never discussed the rest of the way. Like we never changed it. It's my understanding later that Michael and Randy did something between them at three, which makes sense because the, the, the difference between the seven runner up was huge. Um, Absolutely. But obviously I had the buy and they didn't even confront me about it, which is cool because it's between them. But the, uh, the funny thing, so, so it was easy to, or as easy as it can be in that situation to kind of block the money inside of it out just because there wasn't a constant discussion about it. The one time, and kind of like Cameron said, like there was one time it just flashed into his mind. For me, it was, we rolled up for the final and I had, I had a, starter solenoid issue like starter solenoid was going out and uh thanks to ryan harem and gary williams like they were macgyvering for me in case i needed it i never actually needed it until after the final was the only time that they had to jump me off but it was nerve-wracking enough it would go click 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 and ryan would dive on the ground and then it would start Uh, so it started on its own every run but it was kind of hairy but at any rate before the final i just walked over to michael to tell him you know, hey, I, I got a little issue here. It's going to start, but you might have to wait on me a few seconds, you know? And he said, that's fine. I walked back to my car, and uh, and Peter had walked up as I'm just about to uh, get in the car. And he said, hey, just to double check, I hadn't heard anybody say anything. The winner is XXX, and the runner-up is XXX. Y'all hadn't moved it. And as he said, I just instinctively said, yeah, that's right. And he turned around to walk off and went, oh, my God, the winner is XX. You know what I mean? Like, I have ne- <laughs> oh, wow. And I just had to kind of take a deep breath and go, okay, you still got a race, but, man, this is cool. <laughs> you know? yeah, so right, that, yeah. that was the only time that it really hit home and kind of took my breath away for a second. But as far as actually in competition, I don't remember it, it consuming my mind, which is obviously a, a good thing. It's interesting because, you know, after right after fifth round, after I ran fifth round, I quit thinking about the money myself. <laughs> <laughs> Luke, uh, as you talked about the attention and the fanfare around it, obviously you're riding a wave higher than you've you've been on. Are you back to reality yet? Yes and no. It's, I still don't think it's completely set in, but as far as like reality goes – how about this? I was less than 24 hours removed from winning the K&N Spring Fling Million, right, on top of the world. Yeah. It's Saturday afternoon at the racetrack, and I didn't race Saturday. Like, uh, we were up all night in the suite. We had a good time. Got back to the track, and they actually still had a few cars in the lanes for first round. Just raced. I didn't. But uh, I was just thought, well, I'll take a few hours and load everything up so that uh, Sunday we can leave and start this journey home. And uh, so, I, like I said, less than 24 hours removed, and I am laying underneath the motorhome just bathing in hydraulic oil because it blew a line off of the leveling jacks. Oh. And as I, so I crawled under there to see, why aren't these going up? And I had Ryan Harum hit the switch, and when he hit the switch, it just <laughs> poured all over me. So I am literally head-to-toe dripping something that looks like transmission fluid and couldn't be happier about it. Like, you couldn't get me in a bad mood on Saturday, right? But the, the line, and thanks to, to Ryan and, and KB and, and Justin Lamb and everybody else that pitched in and helped me get the leveling jacks up for the ride home. But the line of the weekend was definitely from Justin. He said, he looks at me, and I'm, like I said, dripping hydraulic oil, and he said, well, I guarantee you one thing and i, I kind of laughed and said what's that and he said the the drain in the shower of that suite at the cosmo has never seen hydraulic oil <laughs> but it will today 
<laughs> so I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> All right, Luke. So then we'll we'll get to the part we're going to wrap this up. But I've enjoyed the interview, although you're my partner and I talk to you every week. I learn things about the day that I didn't know. So job well done. But you probably saw the post that I put on our Facebook page and talked about your legacy in racing. You've accomplished a lot. We all know that. That's no brag. It's just fact. But this was a bucket list thing. You kicked the door down and, and you got your million, at least your first one. What, what do you think the race means for your legacy and your position in our sport? I don't know. That's, uh, that's where, yeah, I don't know if I'm as comfortable answering that. I know what it means to me. And from my way of looking at it, like this was kind of the the last leg of the career grand slam so to speak sure and, and i don't i don't mean that to come off as like a brag like I'm, i think i'm trying to process it myself when i say that but i won nhra world championship won the u.s nationals won the jags all-stars this was kind of the one big race that i had had my eye on and said you know i've been going to it for a lot of years it's the biggest one i'd like to win that before i hang it up and knowing full and well that that may never happen so to be able sure. to check it off, yeah, it's it's pretty unreal. And to be honest, like I know that you know this, Jed. A lot of my close friends know this. My marketing partners all know this. Like it's not like I'm gonna disappear. You know what I mean? But this yep. is really my last year of going this hard at this level. Like my and the main reason is my little man will start kindergarten in the fall of 18 and i just can't see it being a lot of fun to be gone without him and jessica with me and, and i just i want to coach little league and you know what i mean i just want to be awesome sure. um, so it's not like I'll, i'm going to keep racing and like i intend to be at, at least the east coast million every year i don't know that it'll always be feasible for me to keep going to vegas although after this i would certainly like to <laughs> um, so it's not like I'm not going to get more opportunities, but I, I went into this thinking you're not going to have a lot more opportunities where you're this invested, where you're this prepared, where you're, you know, actually feel like you've got a really good chance to pull it off. So sure. for it to actually fall together is really special. You know what I mean? Kind of going into it with that in mind. And that's even what I told you after the after the race on, on Friday was part of, you know, I, I said each round, like I was kind of trying to soak it all in and just enjoy the moment. You know, I gave myself a couple of seconds to do that each round. And part of that yeah. was just me telling like, I don't know that you'll be back here. You know what I mean? Like at, at this level. So enjoy this. And and I did. And to be able to, to come out on top is just, it, it's like the the perfect ending. You know what I mean? Not that it's an ending. Sure. Um, but yeah. I couldn't have scripted it any better. Very cool. Luke, last question. I won't do rapid fire with you because I've done that with you before. I'm back on show double zero, but, or triple zero, excuse me. But, yeah, shout out to triple uh, zero. Go back in the middle. <laughs> You're a bucket list kind of guy. You're a historian, so to speak, in our sport. So you probably have things that are still important. What's your next thing that you want to accomplish? That's a good question because whenever anybody said that for the last couple of years, I'd said win a million. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I think for the first time really in maybe my career, like there's not a specific goal or, or, or focus to strive for. Like I just want to continue to compete 
and and continue to race alongside my family. I want to help my wife score a big win somewhere. Like she's been close. She was close last weekend. Um, yeah. I, I think that that would be cool. And obviously that's much more her accomplishment than mine, but I would take a lot out of that if and when it does happen. Sure. Well, that's really cool too. And I, I didn't expect any less out of you. Luke, uh, amazing job. Congratulations. It's it's almost a badge of honor to have been in the way of, of that big final round for you. I mean, I, I appreciate you bringing me on this ride on the podcast. And I feel like I'm getting to share this at a, at a real high level with you. So congratulations, bud. We're all happy and proud of you. And um, um, I just I, I hope that uh, you somehow continue on and get those other things that you want to accomplish soon thank you jed i appreciate it and again to to everybody that has reached out with uh, congratulations and well wishes and attaboys and like i say i've tried my best to respond to to everyone but if i missed you i do appreciate it it's been overwhelming it's been awesome and uh, that's you know a big part of what makes something like this special Jed, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my host hat host hat back on. Is that all right? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Welcome back. Good, good. Yeah, back to the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast. Now, like we just talked about, obviously last Friday night I, I notched the biggest win of my racing career, the Canaan Spring Fling Millions. Crazy stuff. If you join This Is Bracket Racing Elite, can I guarantee you that you'll win the million? No, I, I wish I could. What I can do is assure you that myself and the community within This Is Bracket Racing Elite can help you to improve behind the wheel in an effort to reach your racing goals, whatever they may be. I mentioned it earlier a little bit, but I think that my mental outlook and preparation was a huge factor in that big win. And I like I said, I had a lot of opportunities to, to kind of turn pessimistic or to lose confidence, but I was able to hold it together when it mattered most. And like I said before, a strong mental game doesn't necessarily guarantee success, but a weak mental game almost certainly compromises that success. And that's probably the biggest thing that we focus on in This Is Bracket Racing Elite. Sure, we discuss reaction times and we talk about driving the top end and even vehicle setup and preparation, but... The main focus is the mental game, and that attention has really helped me. Uh, I think many of our elite members would say the same thing, and I think we can help you too. So to learn more, check out the link on the thisisbracketracing.com homepage. It's on the right side, or you can just message me directly if you're interested in joining This Is Bracket Racing Elite. Good stuff. All right, we wanted to close out today's show. Obviously, we've we spent the whole episode talking about the the Spring Fling Million as a whole, but I wanted to close out just talking about the event and the show that Pete and Kyle put on. And obviously, Jed, you and I are a little bit biased here. You're technically a member yeah. of the Spring Fling staff as the voice of the fling, and obviously, I had the biggest win of my racing career so i'm kind of partial to the event myself but <laughs> let's just talk a little bit for the maybe the east coast racers that are attending gallant in a couple of weeks or racers that have not been to a spring fling like what can you expect from a racing standpoint well luke obviously peter and kyle have done something exceptional with not only great purses for very fair entry fees at premier facilities but you know these guys are going out and getting manufacturers involved at a level we've never seen before and there was over 60,000 extra stuff getting in the racers hands and product and gift certificates in Vegas and there'll be 50,000 plus 
you know, at Galat and, and then again at Bristol. So the racers can expect the absolute most bang for their buck at an event that they're going to attend. I mean, these guys are doing it at a high level. The decisions they make are centered around what's best for the event and the racers, not the promoters, and just couldn't. I know there's a lot of great races out there, but I couldn't imagine any being better than, than what you're going to get when you enter the gate at a, a K&N Spring Fling event. I agree. Like Pete and Kyle and the entire staff just go above and beyond. And and I, I think what it boils down to, like we've talked about before, like they're racers putting on an event that they would like to compete in. You know what I mean? And sure. what I think blows me away, like forget the huge purses, even throw out the incredible sponsor involvement like you talked about and all the stuff that they give away and even forget that every race is at like the premier facilities in the country whether it's las vegas bristol galat like what impresses me the most is how seemingly like they've thought of everything like it just i i know it's probably a little bit different from where you're seated because putting on a race like i know that there's some chaos behind the scenes but from a racial sure. standpoint man it just seems like everything is just going precisely like it's supposed to and they have thought of the craziest things like for instance you you guys know i was there for three weeks when i pulled in for the national event which is two weeks before the million even starts the 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 spring fling parking attendant says are you going to be here for three weeks do you want to stay in that spot like i've never been asked that you know what i mean like i never yeah. moved i was in a great location for three weeks and just that type of foresight and then like we talked about the obviously there's only one racer that gets to truly enjoy it but the spoils for the million winner like that's ridiculous i've never been treated like that in my life like they made what would have been a very special night regardless like even more unforgettable with all of the the limo ride and the suite and just being weighted on hand and foot like you just you feel like royalty and that's special and that's yeah. something that i as a race promoter would never think of you know what i mean that, that that they did and just down to the little stuff like we came back to the track saturday we made sure we were there by noon because they were having an easter egg hunt and Gary's obviously going to be in a motorhome yeah. Easter. You know what I mean? Just all those little things that they just go out of their way to seemingly think of and make their event better and more appealing to racers. Like, there's just no stone unturned. And I think that's the biggest thing that sticks out to me. Uh, and I want to give them a tip of the cap for. Yeah, no doubt. These guys bring more staff than any event I've ever been a part of. And nobody forgot to do something because they were busy doing something else. Everybody's got their role and they go about it extremely well. And, uh, you know, I, I get to work with Nate Hershey on the mic, and they make sure that they're giving you kind of a mix of announcers as well. Nate obviously does an extremely good job on NHRA circuit and does the flings. And then we get the bumpkin in there that gets to do his thing. And uh, we had Mike Eames in Vegas helping out. So a lot of staff, a lot of people caring about your experience because their motto race it experience it is truly something they live by and behind the scenes as i've watched them make decisions it's never what do you think people's going to think about it it's always what is going to enhance the racers experience the most based on the decision we make so those guys live it every time they open the gates and it shows it absolutely shows and say we've we've spent the entire week talking about the sprinkling million in las vegas you guys are about to do it all again what just about two weeks from now the spring fling will make its way to galat for the five day correct 
Yep, we'll be over in Dunbenson, North Carolina for the Spring Fling 5-day, um, May the 2nd through the 6th. And it'll be pretty much their standard format. Wednesday will be a, a warm-up race, so to speak, 15000 Thursday and Saturday will pay 20000 each. And then Friday, always being the big day at the Spring Flings, will be a 50K this year instead of uh, 320. So uh, increased purse, uh, the entry fee, Luke, I, I mean, can you even really call that an increase for what you're getting? Yeah, with the entry fee went up 40 bucks, and instead of paying 20,000 to win, it pays 50,000 to win. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah, yeah pretty pretty darn impressive. Uh, what huge guaranteed money. There? I have not. I have I've not either. seen I've, the pictures. I've, I've heard nothing but good things. Yeah, I've heard wonderful things. The brand new facility are, are, you know, completely redone top to bottom. I know they've got the most beautiful scoreboards I've ever seen on a live feed or whatever. I'm looking forward to, to being there. It's it's going to be awesome. You know, these guys. Will you get to bring Big Red this time around? I will get to bring Big Red. Uh, I'm not sure I want Big Red there. I think I might would just rather have Jose bring the Camara down. It's <laughs> pretty darn mean, but uh, no, nah, I'm looking forward to, to racing my car. I'm going to have JJ there. JJ will be helping on the mic. JJ and Pete have already uh, claimed round two each day. It's their round, so they'll <laughs> be on the mic second round. Uh, get to share. So looking forward to it. And, you know, just because it's not the Spring Fling Million in Vegas, doesn't mean you'll get any less effort out of Peter, Kyle, and their staff. These guys will roll out the red carpet once again and put on an amazing event. Yeah, I have no doubt about that. So good luck to you out there. I think I'm actually going to miss it, as silly as that sounds. It wasn't on my uh, schedule. It, I believe that we'll be at the NHRA event in Atlanta that weekend, but I do intend to make the fall race in Bristol, so I'll, I'll make two of the three flings myself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to miss you if you don't make it, but you know maybe that's that's my sign. I can get by around or something when I need it because you, you're dominating me on our picks. You dominate me on the racetrack, and you even shut me down on the podcast and tell me when I can talk and when I can't. So I'm pretty <laughs> sick of it, Luke, so looking forward to you being somewhere else and me being there. I'm kidding, but we're going to miss you. I, uh, I hope you win every day of it, buddy. I appreciate that. <laughs> Makes two of us. But y'all check them out, bracketraces.com. You'll find all the info on this spring fling and any fling event. Don't miss it, guys. going to be really special. This podcast has been presented in part by Racing RVs. At this point, you should know about Racing RVs and what they're about. They support sportsman drag racing at an unprecedented level, and they've helped hundreds of racers just like you. When the time comes to consider an upgrade to your racing program, new or used, trade-in or direct purchase, truck, motorhome, or trailer, give Joe Fisher at Racing RVs a call at 419-236-1328. All right, guys, that wraps up episode 22. And what a special episode it was with our our founder getting uh, the huge million-dollar win. Congratulations to Luke, and I definitely want to say thanks to the sponsors. These are the folks that bring our podcast to you every week. This is Bracket Racing Elite and Racing RVs. We'd also like to thank PJ North for providing the tunes and doing our intro. Look PJ up. You can find his work on iTunes. And don't forget, we plan to release a new podcast every week of the calendar year. So stay tuned for plenty more going forward. 
To get those latest episodes before your friends, be sure to subscribe to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast wherever it is that you find your favorite podcast. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, tell your friends, first and foremost. The racing community has a way of uh, spreading the word. And uh, and if you can, give us a rate and review of the podcast on, uh, on whatever format you're subscribing. That's how we move up in the rankings so more people can find us. If you don't like what you hear, let us know how we can deliver a better show. And finally, be sure to join the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast fan page on facebook to interact and become part of the conversation this week uh again thank you all for listening i hope that was entertaining as i was the uh the host and the guest it was a little bit different but uh we thought it was uh thought it was it was <laughs> it was entertaining <laughs> you did awesome bud congrats again heck of a job and uh hopefully i see you somewhere soon uh, it sounds good thanks everybody all right guys thanks have a great week this way alive Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching feet like Jerry Pennington. Towers in my truck. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.